0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the State of Venezuela podcast. I'm your host Rafael, and I want to thank you for tuning in and apologize for last week's hiatus. There's a lot to discuss regarding what has happened in Venezuela over the past week, so let's get right to it. The month of August ended with the Maduro dictatorship releasing one of Venezuela's highest profile political prisoners followed by a pardoning of 110 people, 50 of which were also political prisoners. Now that might seem like good news, but these political prisoners were never charged with anything to begin with because they never did anything wrong. This usually means that they're being used as bargaining chips in exchange to get something else. It turns out that something else is a move by a faction of the opposition choosing to participate in upcoming parliamentary elections in December that are already rigged. Brokering that deal was none other than Turkey, one of the several countries actively propping up the Maduro dictatorship. Having a minority break away from interim president Waidel's call for unity in the opposition and participate in rigged parliamentary elections complicates things, even more so with Turkey inserting itself as a mediator. Joining me to discuss the complication of these recent developments is Imdat Oner, a former diplomat and deputy charge d'affaires at the Turkish embassy in Venezuela. Imdat has seen firsthand the relationship unfold between Maduro and Turkey's president Recep Tayyip Erdogan that puts into serious question Turkey's role as an honest broker with an equally suspicious opposition. This series of events will set the stage for what happens from here until 2021. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of the state of Venezuela featuring IMDOT owner. Joining me today is a former diplomat for the Republic of Turkey, who worked at the Turkish embassy in Caracas, Venezuela. He was the deputy of head of mission and political officer at the Turkish embassy between 2014 and 2016. He's an expert in Turkish politics and has extensively published on Venezuela's relations with Turkey, specifically Turkey's growing role in the axis of foreign actors that we've talked about on this show that are actively propping up the Maduro regime. He's also currently a policy analyst at the Jack D. Gordon Institute for Public Policy at Florida International University. The timing couldn't be any better for this discussion as Turkey is looking to insert itself into negotiations between the Maduro regime and members of the opposition that have broken from Interim President Juan Guaidó ahead of these rigged parliamentary elections in December. I could not have asked for a better guest to shed lights on these very important developments. So with that, I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Imdat owner. Welcome to the State of Venezuela podcast.
1: Thank you, Rafael. Thank you for having me.
0: So Imdat, as we get started here, I want to ask first about your political or your diplomatic background. Uh, Tell us a little bit, if you can, about your time working as a diplomat for Turkey in Caracas.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, It was 2014. um, I was appointed as uh, the political officer to the Turkish embassy in in Caracas. And I worked uh, until August 2016. Um, It was... um, kind of a long period, and I observed a lot of political crisis during my time. Um, some turning point for the Venezuelan politics, such as uh, 6th of December 2015, parliamentary elections, the, the rise of opposition and then the, the decline of opposition, the, all the protests, uh, economic crisis, uh, huge lines on the market. I experienced a lot, um, and then I um, left uh, my uh, position, and then I came back uh, to Miami uh, to uh, start my um, academic career as, as a PhD in international relations. But still, I continue to follow uh, Venezuelan politics, and especially, very surprisingly and ironically, Turkey's uh, rising role in Venezuela and. Uh, improved relations with Erdogan and and Maduro uh, was my um, topic that I studied and I published uh, extensively. Yeah, those are uh, a very uh, interesting experience for me for now.
0: Yes, Turkey's role is really, really interesting in this nexus of actors that we've talked about before on this podcast. We've traditionally spoken about the roles of Russia, Cuba, China... Most recently, Iran. But it's interesting because Iran and Turkey are at opposite ends in Syria. They are allied with the United States in Syria, but then they're allied uh, inadvertently with Iran and Venezuela, and they're at odds with the United States in Venezuela. And by that same token, they're at odds with the European Union on Venezuela, and now they're at odds with the European Union. And Greece. So there's sort of this odd mixture of foreign policy interests that Turkey seems to have through Erdogan. How would you say that Turkey reconciles these interests or the difference in interests with the United States and with the West when it comes to the situation in Venezuela?
1: Uh, This is an excellent question that we um, are asking to ourselves how Turkey achieved this, right? Um, Turkey has different policy understanding in Syria um, with Russia and Iran, as you mentioned. Turkey has uh, a similar approach um, in Venezuela with uh, Russia and Iran. And then Turkey has different relation in the Middle East, united states russia and iran it's all so complicated right so um this is actually more related to turkey's recent foreign policy understanding you cannot uh put into a a, a short description it's more complicated and uh, it's it's a really uh different scenario that we see in the turkish foreign policy decision making process Mm -hmm. uh as a you know, former Turkish diplomat, I, of course, uh, was part of this foreign policy decision-making process, and we were following closely what was happening. And at the beginning, in, to, in 2010, uh, 10, 11, 12, Turkey, you know, was a, a kind of an inspiring country uh, for the Middle East, for the Arab Spring, a democratic country, and as, at the same time, a Muslim country, uh, and Turkey was praised um highly praised by the Western actors, Western um, the countries. Turkey was an EU candidate. Turkey is a NATO ally. So all these things made Turkey uh, uh, quite a shining star in the Middle East. And then, in a parallel to Turkey's rising authoritarianism, especially with the Erdogan's um, kind of um, rising authoritarianism, uh, changed Turkish foreign policy track. And then we have seen much more problems with the NATO, much problem, much more problems with, with the United States. Um, so everything was so, getting so complicated. And actually this issue, and then um, after 2016, this issue has getting much more complicated, especially um, when Trump came to power, uh, United States, especially with the Congress and the State Department, has a different policy with Turkey, a different understanding with Turkey, but Trump still has a very good connection with Erdogan, and Turkey has been given a kind of a concession in many, many, in many issues. And one of them is the S-400 missile defense system issue that Turkey uh, purchased from Russia. Mm-hmm. So actually today, there was a very good uh, opinion uh, discussion that David Ignatius in Washington Post, he published, uh, and he was asking, how Trump administration enables Turkey uh, in different cases, Turkey is a very problematic uh, country in the region, you know, with, you know, um, it's a good friend of Iran, good friend of Russia, on the other hand, challenging Greece, France, and other US allies in the region. So why Trump is allowing that, right? And then we see the same thing in Venezuela, although uh, Venezuela Um, and Turkey and the United States has very different understanding in Venezuela. Turkey has not been affected so much from the United States approach to to the Maduro regime because we haven't seen that much pressure or sanctions on Turkey because of Turkey's tie or or Turkey's extending lifeline to to the Maduro regime, right? So it was so uh, complicated uh, foreign policy uh, understanding uh, on the ground, and especially after, you know, Russia, China, Iran, those are traditional Maduro's ally or the Chavez ally. But how Turkey, as a NATO ally, as a U.S. ally, came to this, uh, you know, country and strengthened its relation with Maduro, especially at the time that Western countries are trying to isolate Maduro, not the Western countries, but also Latin American countries, are trying to isolate uh, Maduro and then put more sanctions, more pressure so that Maduro will leave the power. But then Turkey just stood up and I don't know if you remember in the first uh, day of Guaido's um, announcement that he assumed the interim presidency and Erdogan uh, has given a call to Maduro and said, Maduro, brother, just stand tall. Turkey will stand with you. It was quite interesting, you know. Russia, Russia didn't say anything.
0: Just Erdogan was giving a call to Maduro and saying, you know, such a strong, uh, you know, assertion. It seems, Imdat, that Turkey in this instance is sort of returning the favor, and the reason for that is number one, Maduro's relationship with Erdogan is not the same sort of relationship that Maduro has had with. Iran's leaders, or with uh, with Putin, and the reason I say that is because those relationships predate the Maduro presidency, and they really started with Chavez. But this one is different because Hugo Chavez, before Maduro assumed office, was a fierce critic of Turkey's role in opposing uh, the role of Bashar al-Assad in Syria. But once Chavez passed. And Turkey tried to make amends with Venezuela. Venezuela was initially very reticent and did not want to accept any sort of rekindling of those relationships. But then in 2016, from what I understand, there was a a coup attempt in Turkey and Maduro, through his foreign ministry tried to reach out to Turkey. And I believe at this time you were the Charged Affairs of Turkey's diplomatic mission in Venezuela, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a very interesting story.
0: Yeah, talk to us if you could about that because that must have been very, very interesting hearing about what was going on from the embassy in Caracas.
1: Yeah, it was a very interesting day. I was at the embassy and we were just watching um, something happening in Turkey nobody knows just we have seen a couple of you know um the, the jets are flying over ankara uh some soldiers are you know closing the bridge bosphorus it was so weird you know um and then there were a rumor that there is a, a coup ongoing in turkey uh but it was just rumor i mean nobody just uh confirmed and then i received a call and then the vice minister of uh, Venezuela Foreign Ministry told me uh, we heard that uh, there there is a coup attempt against the Turkish government, and we are quite concerned about this uh, development and uh, this uh, issue because we, as as Venezuela, we experienced a coup attempt previously, and we know coup attempt is never a solution in a problem in the country. So we are uh, Behind, we, we we want to extend our support to Erdogan, and we support his government, and we are ready to provide all sorts of uh, cooperation. And then um, this was quite interesting, since even Western countries uh, didn't mention anything at that night because nothing was clear. All of a sudden, thousands of miles away, Venezuela was giving the first call, maybe. And then um, I, of course, uh, delivered this message to Turkish authorities Uh, and then a couple of days later, Maduro has given a call to Turkish President Erdoğan saying that, you know, um, we are with you, uh, we support you and Erdoğan was aware of the fact that he was the first, one of the first leaders who called Turkey and extended support. So it was valuable, especially at the time the, the Western countries are a little bit silent. Or late to, uh, you know, react to this coup attempt in the eyes of Turkish government, and then, of course, the Western countries, the United States, European Union, also harshly reacted to Turkey's uh, post coup um, like human rights violations. Right, many things happened after the coup. Uh, Turkey issued a, a, an emergency decree and then taken uh, hundreds and thousands of illegal decisions. Uh, violating a constitution, and the United States and, 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 and the European Union was quite against this decision, and they expressed their concern. But Venezuela, of course, was quite happy what was happening. Well, how do you understand? Because Maduro, in, in August, after one month of a coup, he gave a speech. And as far as I remember, uh, he was saying uh, that, did you see what happened in Turkey last month? Uh, and Erdogan will seem like a, a, a baby compared to uh, what will happen when Bolivarian Revolution will face such a right-wing coup attempt. <laughs> so, uh, because he was he was just uh, saying that Erdogan's violation of human rights, Erdogan's you know violation of the um, you know, constitution uh, or overstep of you know uh, authoritarian um, kind of actions is nothing. That will happen when uh, when when Maduro regime will face a coup. So this this was uh, actually a very good sig- signal in, in that time to understand that these two countries are coming closer to each other. Erdogan and Maduro, as both authoritarian leaders who are uh, trying to you know stay in power with any cost, right? They want to eliminate any uh, opposition uh reaction or uh, any efforts of opposition to challenge the to, to challenge their authorities right and then um we have seen that numbers thousands of journalists have been imprisoned in turkey and as in venezuela they have been uh, labeled as terrorists right mm-hmm. uh, so when you look at all these scenarios they are very similar to each other right? turkey's authoritarianism is very similar to venezuelan authoritarianism so there were many articles and academic uh, journal articles published about this parallel between Turkey and Venezuela in terms of rising authoritarianism.
0: Yes, there really are. The, the parallels are they're uncanny, really. There's actually a great quote from um I think he's a policy analyst at the Center for Global Policy in Washington his name is uh, Mehmet Oskan and he said these two politicians Maduro and Erdogan feel attacked by the West. And so the relationship is predominantly emotionally based because like we mentioned, Erdogan doesn't forget that Maduro was one of the first leaders who supported him during that attempted coup in July of 2016. So now it seems like Turkey is returning the support that they received, but it it goes beyond just mere words. Like you mentioned back in August of 2016 is when Maduro announced that a uh, a state mining company called Minerven would be the sole official gold buyer in in the mining arc in the Arco Minero of eastern Venezuela, where essentially they would be legalizing a business uh, that's overseen by gangs, by the military. the The troops force miners to comply with uh, with the rules of the regime. And they basically give Turkey free reign to buy the gold that Venezuela offers them. So could you talk to us a little bit more about this um, gold financed relationship, we can say, because the the revenue, at least as of last year, almost reached a billion dollars, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, Turkey's commercial engagement with Venezuela is more um, clear and evident in the mining sector, especially this gold trade, right? Um, We have seen an increasing number of, you know, commercial links uh, between Caracas and and Ankara, but nothing is similar to gold trade. So how this story started, um, I call this gold trade as OPEC gold trade, uh, right? Nothing is transparent. So, I just um, tried to uh, merge the, you know, the puzzle pieces from 2007-2018. As far as I remember, first, a Venezuelan uh, mining uh, minister uh, mentioned, um, he said that Turkey, uh, we decided to move our gold operation, refining operation, uh, from Switzerland to Turkey because the United States imposed some sanctions on the third countries who will make business with uh, with the Maduro regime, right? And then the mining minister said that we are looking for more reliable partner that we will uh, keep our uh, resources in safe. And the Turkey has become kind of a, an ally, a partner uh, who will keep Venezuelan resources as uh, safe without uh, having any sanctions, even like. If the United States tomorrow comes and say, "Okay, uh, I put sanctions on Venezuelan gold," so Turkey, you will keep this gold and you will never get it back. Right? You will never send send it back to, to Maduro, as it happened in, in England. So what happened? Then Turkey Turkey uh, appeared as a reliable ally, and then we have seen that this gold number increased um, in 2018, and then we see that, as you mentioned, it's uh, it reached. Uh, to one billion dollar amount of gold has been transferred to Turkey. The problem we haven't seen any cash return uh, to Venezuela. You know how how this you know gold has been returned back to Venezuela. Uh, what was the exchange mechanism? So um, we realized that Venezuela, some Venezuelan uh, let's say pro Maduro actors businessmen came to Turkey. They established a couple of shell companies um, to establish this mechanism of uh, gold for food, and then um, we understood that this gold has been turned into cash in Turkey, and then with this cash, these businessmen uh, purchase some food from Turkish market, and then they. Uh, send it back to Venezuela as part of this, uh, you know, club program. Uh, I don't know how you sell it in, in 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 Spanish. I don't remember the exact.
0: Yeah, it would be the. Uh, we've talked about it in this program uh, briefly, but CLAP in English, I think, it would be the Committee of Local Abstentation and Production, something yeah, like that. I think, yeah, I
1: think... local supply and yeah,
0: you're That's right. That's the one. So yes, yes.
1: Committee, something like this and as you know this club program also has been sanctioned by by the united states because uh united states the treasury department re- uh announced that this was a huge uh, corruption mechanism that both maduro and his close circle uh has benefited uh, a lot of money the problem the mechanism was like this they were buying this product in a very low prices and then they were just you know increase the prices while you know, showing in the, in the I don't know, on the, on the official documents. So this was a kind of uh, corruption mechanism also. And then uh, in 2019, um, we saw in the news that some Treasury Department officials' uh, delegation came to Turkey and warned the Turkish government. Uh, they said that the Venezuelan gold is under U.S. sanctions, So, if you will still keep this gold trade um, in the future, you will uh, be kind of facing US sanctions. And especially this happened in a a time when Turkish president announced that Turkey will bring much more gold from Venezuela in Turkey's central province, which is called the Chorum. It's a very small city. And Turkey will uh, Turkish government will turn this place as a, a gold city, a gold place and then uh, this news has been removed from the Turkish media oh. after <laughs> uh, United States pressure on Turkey and then we, I checked many statements of Turkish officials and they clearly said that Turkey stopped all sorts of gold transactions with Venezuela because those are sanctioned by the United States and we don't want to face any sanctions, because Turkey previously uh, has faced a sanction or a, a different issue, a detention of a US pastor, a religious man uh, in Turkey. Uh, he has been uh, detained, uh, and then Trump announced sanctions. So Turkey, uh, Turkish economy has uh, experienced a backlash because of this sanction. So Turkey didn't want to have another U.S. sanctions just because of Venezuelan gold. But the problem, um, later on, many news uh, reported that Turkey was still, you know, sustaining this gold trade, not officially, but more unofficially, kind of more in a non-transparent way. But of course, we don't have any documentation. We don't have any sorts of uh, document that shows this Trade still going on, so we cannot say anything about that. But these were the remorse uh, about
0: Turkey's gold trade still continues with with Maduro. Right in the last couple of months of last year of 2019, uh, this almost confirms what you're saying that there were sightings of both private Russian and Turkish jets that would frequently arrive at the uh, Caracas International Airport, and some of them were owned by. Sinner, Siner, which is a mining company that's very close to President Erdogan. Yeah. So, what they suspect is that these planes that were arriving in Caracas were doing so to get gold from the country, but in a, uh, in a shady way, essentially smuggling them. And I'm sure we can guess where a lot of that gold will end up. But also, just to reiterate for the listeners, the, the t- these Turkish food industries that Imdat is referring to. They provide about 70% of the food that the Maduro regime distributes under the CLAP program. And we've talked about the CLAP program. It's that, um, that food distribution network that essentially works as a rationing system of Very, very poor, low quality food that is distributed to Venezuelans who have no other recourse since hyperinflation hit north of a million percent just a couple of years ago. So Mm -hmm. they're delivered to families monthly as a means to uh, have them subsist off of the dime of the of the regime, but also to gain some popular support. So it's really a way to buy their loyalty and it's a form of social control and a lot of that also is orchestrated by um and and this this would take a, an episode in and of itself but Alex Saab Alex Saab is a um is a figure I'm sure you're familiar with who is very or was very involved with this gold for food system they were using that system to try and finance the uh, the contracts to buy these bags right these mm-hmm. uh Food products they were buying them through the uh, the cash or through the profits made from the gold sales right
1: yeah yeah that's right I mean that was the the thing that I was um, referring including um, this Alexap uh was highly involved in in this Turkish uh, Venezuelan gold trade mechanism and he he was the um, the person who established those shell companies in Turkey and he, actually, this, there was, um, there were two companies, shell companies have been sanctioned by the United States in Turkey, located in Istanbul. Um, so they allegedly play a role in this, you know, called for food program. And they were doing this all sorts of purchase of uh, low quality food and then selling to, to, to Venezuela back. So the Treasury Department just uh, imposed them and then... This also increased the cautious and then um, uh, the concern within the Turkish government because this circle is getting so close and it's getting narrower, um, okay. and we we don't know, for example, what's the Turkish government position or is there any involvement from the Turkish posi- from Turkish government in this uh, mechanism, right? Food for gold mechanism uh, because. Corruption is nothing new in Turkey, and also Turkey has previously a kind of US uh, sanction busting mechanism with Iran in 2013, Mm -hmm. and Turkey's uh, state bank, Halkbank, is still now under the pressure. Uh, There is an ongoing uh, file uh, against this bank because of this uh, sanction, and now Venezuela is the second one. It was quite interesting. Uh, We don't know how this bank or any official, Turkish official involved in this process, those are all still unclear.
0: Wow, that's incredible. It's so weird. Again, I have to reiterate this, just seeing how a lot of these interests are, this is something that I had spoken about with uh, Joseph Humide from the Center for a Secure and Free Society when we were talking about specifically the Iran-Hezbollah-Venezuela nexus, and that Turkey and Iran are not historically traditional allies, but when it comes to Venezuela, seeing how Alex Saab is facilitating both that gold-for-food scheme and that gold-for-gas scheme, which is largely based off of the same trade routes and smuggling networks— it just—it's so fascinating to me to see how really the the end goal in both of these instances is to skirt the sanctions of the United States.
1: Yeah, and also here we need to also note something else. Um, as we know, uh, this was also a case in in Chavez, but it was much more. It is much more clear in, in Maduro's side. The the relations between Iran and Turkey these are not institutional, uh, right? They are all person-to-person, they're all um, relation between the two leaders or two politicians. So, it is not easy to follow these connections, right? So, a businessman just comes to Turkey, opens a shell company, and then uh, makes huge amount of money over this mechanism. Again, maybe a a Turkish businessman is going to Venezuela, making some business there, and making money. So, it's not an institutional relation. It is just um, a, a pragmatic relation for a short term during the Maduro's uh, time in power, and then it will just uh, disappear. So Turkey's relation, therefore, is not you know, any geopolitical uh, position in, in Venezuela. It's much more pragmatic and short-term
0: interest-based uh, relation. And that's actually the perfect conclusion, speaking about this pre-existing relationship before we segue into the most recent development of events. Um, based on everything that we've talked about, MDOT, would you say that Turkey could act as a neutral player in any sort of dialogue or mediation between the regime and the opposition?
1: Um, last couple of months ago, I published a report on, on Wilson Center. Um, about Turkey and Venezuela relations. I mentioned there, Maduro offers such a mediation role to Turkey, but I argue that Turkey will never be in that position because opposition was not inclined to make any negotiation with Turkey because Turkey was a suspicious ally, suspicious actor for the opposition. But in that time, I didn't uh, imagine or I didn't estimate other factions, other, you know, groups in the opposition, like Capriles, and this, Gonzalez, maybe others, because Guaido is, was quite clear, right? Uh, for Guaido, Turkey is just a murderous, a dirty business player, a, a dirty actor, an authoritarian power, so um, nothing can expect from Turkey. So, again, some other opposition members, they are feeling the same way. Turkey is an Islamist, Turkey is an authoritarian Turkey is the, you know, the dictatorship country. These are all the, the message that I heard from the opposition you know, from last 2019. And then three days ago, I was just reading the news that Turkish Foreign Minister was talking about a close um, uh, talk between the opposition and and Venezuelan government. And I was so surprised. I mean, as a person who follow closely Venezuelan politics, there was no such a negotiation process, right? And then I thought, minister is just exaggerating or just lying. And then, I just read the the rest of the news and then I saw the name of Capriles and Gonzalez. And then I understood that, okay, this, this is the case. Now, Turkey as just trying to um, reach out to other parts of opposition who can be more inclined to uh, accept Turkey's mediator role in Venezuela. And then in the same day, uh, I don't know, have you seen that this, Capriles shared a a tweet. um, Oh, I did, yes. A photo uh, that Erdogan is shaking hands with uh, Trump. I think this was a meaningful message. And Capriles was just trying to show that Turkey, even though it's an authoritarian, even though it's a uh, Maduro ally, Turkey is a still US ally. Turkey is a still NATO ally, right? I think this is very critical. So why Turkey is different from Russia, China, and Iran? I think this is because of this uh, factor, Turkey's position in the West. Turkey is still EU candidate. Turkey is still a, a NATO partner. So these are making, I think, different in the eyes of at least some Factions of opposition, right? So I still know that Guaido and others, they will not accept Turkey's mediator role. And yesterday, again, one of the other opposition leader, opposition member, uh, she mentioned that she received a message from Turkish embassy about the dialogue and she just rejected
0: Yes, uh, Delsa
1: Solosan, I think it was. Delsa, she she just shared um, this message. So we we understand that now Turkey still, you know, continuing to reach out to other members um, in the countries, other opposition members. Um, But since Tuesday, what I see, I was reading all sorts of message coming to me. (laughs) I received many, you know, weird message in the social media. When I first shared this message, uh, by the way, I, you know, I think I am the only one, I am the first one who shared in the social media that there is a, a negotiation uh, process between, you know, uh, Cavushollo and uh, Capriles. People just accused me of, you know, making a, an ungrounded news, just <laughs> ungrounded news, just uh, telling a lie or a disin- kind of a disinformation. And then many people say that, look, he's he, in his... Twitter profile. He is a Chavez a picture. He is a Chavista, and he is a, an airline spy. But there are many different messages, and I see because people are quite angry about Capriles. Uh, you know, he people see that he is betraying. He is betraying the opposition, and he is getting close to Maduro, and he will go to the elections. So he will legitimize the elections. He will legitimize Maduro's policy. Maduro's you know, plan. So people are so angry, but that, that that is the issue now. How Venezuelan people feel about Turkey's mediator role, rather than Turkey-Venezuelan opposition, like opposition members. Uh, okay. As far as I understand, people are not cool uh, about Turkey's initiative, because Turkey, is, as I told you, is a suspicious. You know, when when you ask any regular Venezuelan citizen. Turkey is known as, you know, a gold buyer and extending a lifeline to Maduro, um, an authoritarian leader. Uh, People do not believe that Turkey will bring anything, Turkey will not contribute anything to this electoral process, right? First of all, Turkey has its own problem in its democracy. Turkey is an authoritarian country. Now, it's labeled as competitive authoritarian country. There is still elections, but these elections are just uh, manipulated by some institutions. The government is playing the field. So all sorts of stories, you know, authoritarian stories we see in Turkey and how this country can offer a guarantee for the Venezuelan elections. Yesterday I saw a tweet, and it was excellent description, was saying that to believe that Erdogan's Turkey will bring uh, guarantee, or will offer any guarantee to Turkey's Venezuelan elections, is equal to believing uh, the moon is made by uh, the the bread, something <laughs> like that. So, I mean, people do not believe that, right? Because, right. Uh, of although Turkey is a NATO ally and US ally, Turkey is not a you know democratic country, and how it will protect or and provide uh, this Venezuelan elections, you know to be in a transparent and fair way. So, in my opinion, uh, also as I mentioned um, uh, yesterday in, in the news that Wall Street Journal, I shared my opinion that this is, the, the Maduro is the only winner of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, opposition has been already fragmented and fractured. Uh, there is no more unity among the opposition members. And most likely the capitalists will go to elections with a candidate. Uh, since he is forbidden from the election. And then uh, other members will still boycott the election. And Maduro at the end will say, look, still there are some opposition members who who came to the election. So these elections are legitimate, right? And, And then how Guaido will continue to claim that he is the interim president. Because National Assembly will be taken by, by from opposition, right? And mm-hmm. I see some argument that, oh okay, the election is not legitimate, so still he has some legal and legitimate excuse to continue as interim president, but I mean at least people lose their belief and people are so tired and exhausted. So I don't believe what will happen after December, right? if this will continue like this with an election that some part of opposition uh, enter the election so i think uh, maduro will be much more stronger than uh, today
0: it's very very possible and i think you're absolutely right there's this sort of exhaustion that venezuelans have and not just exhaustion but also hopelessness and skepticism i think the the hopelessness is more anxiety driven than anything else you had mentioned earlier the frustration that people have with Capriles. And I will be the first to admit that I harbor some of that same resentment myself. And part of that is because I understand Capriles' role in all of this prior to his uh, the, the revelation that he was involved in these negotiations. So for my listeners, I'm going to lay some groundwork here so you all understand why Venezuelans feel this way about certain members of the opposition that have broken off from uh, the interim president, Juan Guaido. So Enrique Capriles was a former presidential candidate, and he's a somewhat relevant opposition figure still. He had been alluding to participating in these fraudulent elections coming up in December to uh, to vote in new members of the National Assembly, which, as we all know, is essentially the last democratic institution in Venezuela. But he wasn't going to do it through his political party, which is one of the four main parties in Venezuela. He was going to do it through a minority party that he... Quietly submitted as an eligible political party to run in parliamentary, gubernatorial, and presidential elections. So, this really all started on the 14th of, uh, or excuse me, on the 18th of last month of August. And this went right over my head, but it was the Turkish Foreign Minister, uh, Kavusoglu. Am I saying that correctly? Soglu. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, that's going to be very hard for me to <laughs> yeah. say. So the Turkish foreign minister, I apologize. It Turkish is a very, very difficult language for me to pronounce. Um, so the Turkish foreign minister meets his Venezuelan counterpart in Caracas on the 18th of last month. And no one thinks anything of it. It's just a regular old bilateral meeting because we talked about how the these two countries are traditional allies at this point as of 2016. So it doesn't really turn any heads other than here uh, Maduro is trying to bide more time and pump oxygen into the uh, the valves that keep this uh, this regime staying afloat. But then something interesting happens. On the 30th, I believe, Juan Recasens, who was a political prisoner who was accused of being involved in that 2018 plot. I don't know if you remember IMDOT, the one where they essentially tried to drop a bomb through a drone. Yeah, at a presidential rally, um, Maduro escaped it, but they pinpointed Juan Recasens as one of the orchestrators of that attack, and they sent him to prison. He had been in prison for over two years, no, really no due process, until he was miraculously released. And people thought, oh, well, um, Capriles must have had something to do with this, because he was the first one there to greet him. And he live streamed it and people thought, and I did as well. I said, well, in Venezuela, political prisoners do not get off without something in return. There is no free lunch here. Political prisoners are almost always used as bargaining chips. So my suspicion was that they released Juan Recasens in return for something else. And my initial suspicion was that Enrique Capriles was going to participate in these fraudulent elections. And the downside there, as you mentioned, would be to essentially legitimize or to clean up the, uh, the authoritarian image that Maduro has for the international community. Then the very next day, Maduro pardons over 100 people, including over 50 members of the opposition who are either in prison, have taken refuge in foreign embassies, or have fled the country. So, on the one hand, that's great because a lot of people who, um, as I mentioned, had been suffering under harsh conditions or had been accused of crimes that they didn't even commit were pardoned. Although it doesn't make sense to pardon someone when they haven't done anything wrong, but I digress. The point is we figured, okay, if that's happening, then something else big must be coming. And that was on the 31st of August. Then the very next day is when, as you mentioned, Turkey's foreign minister comes out. And he says in the statement, which uh, listeners, if you want to see the translated version, go to Owner's, um Twitter account, which I'll have in the description below of this uh, of the episode description. And he says, quote, the Venezuelan opposition, specifically Capriles and Gonzalez, had essential prerequisites before elections. And it seems like those essential prerequisites were the release of those prisoners and the release of Juan Requesens. Would I be correct in that assessment?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you are definitely right. That was also my um, assessment. So it was, as you mentioned, is part of this game or this negotiation, right? First, they were released and then the Turkish foreign minister came up with this statement that uh, we are happy with this ongoing uh, process between opposition and, and the government, and it was just a, a legitimization um, of the process. So both sides are making uh, a good, you know, commitment to the process. But uh, it, there was another um, statement yesterday by Turkish foreign minister, and he was saying that uh, we know some opposition leaders. Will not go to election in any case. Who are who are supported by the um, by the outside uh, actors, and he is referring to Guaido. So he's saying that we don't care. Guaido will go to elections or not. We know that some people will go to elections from opposition, and I think that will be enough. So Turkey's attempt now, Turkey's effort is more on these more kind of inclined to the negotiation process, dialogue process. I think because of that, that you will see uh, Turkish embassy is still in touch with different parts of the opposition members and trying to reach them and convince them to such a dialogue process.
0: It's very, very possible that you might be right. I think they, they just happen to have a very strong position where as a pre-existing ally of the Maduro regime it seems like it's in their interest to try and be able to wedge their way into these negotiations yeah. and it's interesting the way they do that because in that same press release and that same statement that the foreign minister put out he also said that there were initiatives by the European Union regarding this issue where they also asked for their support and not too long ago I had a conversation with the interim government's ambassador to the UK and Ireland, and she told me that Joseph Borrell, who is the head of foreign relations for the European Union, was very clear in saying that at the present moment, there are no signs or indications of a possibility for free and fair elections this December. Do you think that Turkey is telling the truth in the EU being more open to that idea, especially as they say, or that he says that he met with Joseph Borrell and maybe changed his mind?
1: Um, Yeah, I think the European Union was an important factor here uh, for Turkey uh, to assume such a role. At the beginning, we haven't uh, seen the the Turkey talk about uh, any negotiation process or any mediating role. But all of a sudden, European Union and especially Spain pushed Turkey to have such a role in Venezuela. Uh, what I see from a Minister's statement, he, he actually he has a good connection with uh, Borel, um, US EU, EU foreign minister. So he always in touch uh, on various topics, uh, the problem in the you know Eastern Mediterranean, um, to the refugee crisis, you know all sorts of things. And I think in the previous meetings uh, Borel mentioned about the Venezuelan crisis to Çavuşoğlu and then um, Borel, I think, asked uh, Turkey's support because Turkey is, is a actor who can speak to Maduro, like, very good relation with Maduro. So, I think Borel uh, tries to use this momentum um, in favour of negotiations. That's my assumption. So that, in that sense, I think yeah, Borel Borel's good connection with Çavuşoğlu, um has been a factor
0: for Turkey. It's interesting also to see the this proposal being put out through Turkey essentially by the European Union, and how it contrasts with the position by the United States. I don't know if you saw this, Imdat, but just yesterday. Interim President Guaidó held a live streaming session with uh, the ambassador to Venezuela of the United States, James Story, and they reiterated that they would be supporting Juan Guaidó as the interim president until what we call in Spanish el cese de usurpación, uh, once the usurpation of power has been put to a stop, that of course of Maduro. So... It seems like the United States and the European Union, of course, by extension, and Turkey, are going to be at odds with one another very clearly from here until December. So my question is, how do you see this playing out with the United States taking such a contrary role? Do you think that it will be a cause of concern for the United States as it continues to maintain relatively friendly relations with Turkey, specifically between President Trump and President Erdogan. Here, um, actually, the Turkish foreign minister mentioned that the United States also shared
1: a proposal with Turkey um, about these negotiations. So therefore, I am I, a little bit surprised. Um, what is, the, what is the U.S. involvement in this process? While, uh, as you mentioned, Guaido is still um, having conversation with uh, the U.S. charge of the year uh, for Venezuela, he, they are saying that they will still support Guaido, uh, whatever happens in, in December. But on the other hand, Turkey is taking this negotiation path and saying that even United States shared a proposal, and Turkish Foreign Minister uh, met with uh, Pompeo in two, two weeks ago before he visited uh, Caracas. Okay. He met in Santa Domingo, and I think this was this was on the agenda, right? Um, right. So I believe that Turkey is still informing the United States. There is an ongoing process but I am not sure how the United States approach to this dialogue process. Um, Still, I haven't seen anything clearly expressing that the United States is against any dialogue process at this moment. What I saw from, for example, uh, Pompeo's statement two days ago, he was saying the United States is um, asking... Uh, free, fair, and transparent elections. Otherwise, nothing will happen. I don't know. It, this this is still a message that there is still a small piece of uh, possibility uh, for an election. If Turkey, let's say, let's assume Turkey achieves a, a negotiation between, let's say, Capriles and and Maduro. So, still, many things are uh, unclear. And we need to wait and see what will happen in the upcoming days. And also, we should also pay, uh, consider uh, U- U- U.S. elections in, in November, right? right? So if there is a, a change in the government, if Biden comes, there will be a change in Venezuelan politics, uh, Venezuelan policy, or should we expect a change um, in the upcoming administration towards the election? or towards the nego dialogue process. So these are all, I think, pending stuff that we need to wait uh, for future.
0: Right, because I think there was a video that resurfaced um, from, I think, about a year ago where Biden came out and essentially expressed disdain for Erdogan. And it sort of upset him because... He was basically advocating for a new approach to Turkey and advocating to back opponents of Erdogan. So it's possible that there would be a change in policy from that direction, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, we everything is, is you know a possibility now. If if there is a change in the U.S. administration, and Venezuela uh, is one of the topic, and Turkey is another since biden has a different approach to erdogan uh, because as you know Trump has a very good connection with erdogan but biden most likely will have a very cautious um, attitude towards erdogan and then how he will approach to turkey's policy in, in venezuela we will see that and also this dialogue process how it will evolve right the opposition uh, or Capriles will change its mind later on maybe he will be rejecting Turkey's dialogue anymore Turkey's mediating role in the future because he is getting too many reaction from the, any source of opposition so these are all possibilities and I think we need to just wait a little bit more to see um, how something will change in maybe October and November and also uh Olu mentioned this possibility that because of a pandemic crisis, there is a still a possibility that um, election might be postponed
0: to the future. Uh yes, that's true. I think that was one of the conditions that uh, Capriles tried to propose to the regime, correct? Because of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. Well you know, international observers, um, postponed of December elections and, you know, this uh, release of the imprisonment.
0: Uh, uh, opposition leaders or opposition members. Right. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this plays out. There's so much mixed messaging that is making it even more difficult to parse out any clear intentions. It seems like Venezuela has quickly converted itself into the Syria of the Western Hemisphere. It seems like we really are at the mercy of the advancement of foreign interests and seeing which ones... Take greater priority over others, even with the United States supposedly or allegedly being involved with or at least consenting to agreeing with these negotiations between the quote unquote opposition or this fraction of the opposition that seems to want to arguably cohabitate with the regime if they're willing to comply by rules set forth by a dictatorship to participate in elections. One of my final questions here. Imdat is, it's anyone's guess, but based on your strong understanding of Turkey and of Venezuela, because of the time that you spent over there, how do you envision this process playing out from here until December or possibly until 2021 as Turkey seeks to integrate itself more into this process by? really supporting also the motives of the European Union to see some sort of resolution to this crisis
1: um, yeah I think uh, you're right in that sense um, I am expecting that Turkey will ask the assistance of European Union uh, maybe the United States depending on the United States position to this dialogue process to bring the parties together um, you know as a diplomatic you know um channel first turkey will of course attempt to reach out all these opposition members yesterday for example turkish ambassadors came together with the um the uh the national assembly with the I mean, quote unquote national yeah. assembly i saw that yeah and then he just um talked about you know this negotiation process um This we will see. Turkey will try to, you know, uh, build more bridge, both in the opposition side and in the government side. Uh, Turkey Turkey will try to uh, convince the parties to make an agreement because this is also really important. Because Turkey is just showing itself as a mediator role, so doesn't want to lose its, you know, this credible uh, role in the field, right? You, know, you are you are uh, claiming that you are a mediator and then you are just failing. That's not a good this impression for a country. So Turkey will continue with that. And also Turkey has a, too much benefit and interest in, in, in Venezuela and Turkey wants to remain its benefit and interest with Maduro. So the more stability, less sanctions will increase Turkey's involvement in Venezuela and Turkey it will uh, protect. Turkey's um, you know all sorts of strategies and an interest in the country so that is my expectation um, Turkey will just seek to build more bridge uh, meet with the other members and then just will try to accomplish this role not just a, a simple role but it's a more international role right Minnesota crisis and international crisis now so Turkey as an important, not regional, but international actor comes to the arena and showing its uh, contribution to the
0: peace. It's just kind of cleaning its, you know, uh, image in the world. And then I have one last question here, Imdat. As we were talking, Secretary Pompeo put out a state on Twitter where he said an unfair and unfree parliamentary election will only deepen Venezuela's crisis, all those who seek to deprive. Venezuelans of a democratic future should consider themselves on notice. The United States will stand firm against authoritarianism. So, I don't know if that's an indirect shot at anyone trying to interfere or tamper in these elections. I don't know if that's a shot at Turkey. Uh, Probably not, because although Turkey is arguably or almost entirely authoritarian, they, like you mentioned before, maintain good relations. But as the United States feels more pressure to support Guaido and Turkey gets more involved in these negotiations, do you think that this will ultimately lead to an impasse between Trump and Erdogan as they find themselves at opposite ends of this negotiation process? Uh, in my opinion, as Trump remains in
1: power, uh... Turkey at least Erdogan will not face any issue with the Trump administration, uh, and Venezuela will not be a case, a conflict case, because even the much, um, much more complicated and conflictual issues, such as you know Turkey's increasing relation with Russia, didn't change the, the Trump position with respect to Erdogan. So I don't think that this Venezuelan crisis will change. Uh, United States position, but I think we need to also look at this problem, look at this at least statement of the U.S. administration from the perspective of uh, local elections, right? And then the local politics, domestic politics, right? Right. How I will effect and get the vote of Florida Florida voters, right? Uh, Especially South Florida is a huge potential for Trump. Right. Uh, administration and Trump is trying to be seen as harsh so against Maduro, uh, and doesn't want the, the negotiation process now because I think for the uh, more you know hard right the kind of kind of more uh, hard wing um, the the Republicans will oppose the Trump policy right mm-hmm. if you ask now in the people in in Miami what you think about you know, negotiation process, many people are against this. People ask more sanctions, people ask more coercive measures. So I think Trump's statement and Trump administration policies these days are more related to domestic politics than, uh, than the US-Latin American uh,
0: relations. And I hope for the sake of Venezuela, hopefully, uh, whatever the case may be, if this administration does end up getting reelected in November, that these, uh, these statements hold true because um, the restoration of democracy in the country is long overdue. And it, it, it'll be very interesting to see Turkey's role as a mediator and facilitator of dialogue play out from here until December or possibly January. So we'll, we'll see. I know you're going to be very much on top of it and you're going to be a very, very good source of information in a very, very niche space where very few people are talking about this particular relationship. This, uh, this authoritarian alliance between these two countries. So if uh, if our listeners want to learn more about your work, your contribution to this space, where can our listeners find you? Um, just Google my
1: name. You will find all, all the relevant information.
0: Perfect. Um, so like I mentioned before, AimDot is on Twitter. Like he mentioned, just Google his name. I'll provide links to some of his resources and some of his observations on the episode description so you can learn more. Um, Ibdat, this has been a very, very fascinating revelation of information that I think is extremely pertinent to the ongoing crisis in the country, so I thank you for your time here. Thank you for having me, Rafael. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks again for tuning in to the State of Venezuela podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing the story of our country as much as I enjoyed sharing it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming platform you use. I'd also be grateful if you could leave a review and share it with anyone who might be interested in learning more about Venezuela as well. Finally, if you have any thoughts on today's episode or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, drop a comment or send me an email at stateofvenezuela at gmail.com. Thanks again. I'll see you all in the next one.